Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. We accustomedly do. Uh, when we're preaching, it's just something God has already spoken to us about, out of this beautiful 23rd Psalm. But before I do that, I want to tell one uh, compelling story that came along with uh, Brent's death last week, and, and uh, Sister Arnold uh, told this little story, I believe it was last Sunday night, he was still in the hospital at that time, passed away on Monday morning. When you come to the book of Psalms, it is of Psalms of praise. There are 150 chapters, and most of them are about praising God. Praising God with the musical instruments. Some people say sometimes, well, music's too loud and the singing's too loud. Not too loud for God. He mentioned at least five times, I like it loud. And, um, and sometimes, it, you know, it's not, you know, it, it's not, you know, I guess it could be too loud, but not for God. He said he likes it loud. He said use the loud symbols and, and uh, sing loud. You can look it up for yourself. Mostly it's a book of praise. The last five chapters begin and end with these words, Praise ye the Lord. And it says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Help me with a, uh, just a, 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 a real fast uh, test here. How many of you can take a breath, breath in and do it? Now exhale. And so you qualify to praise the Lord. He said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You don't have any excuse. He said, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing your praises with understanding. He talks about the matter of raising our hands before the Lord. You see that sometimes in the choir here. You'll see sometimes others. That's appropriate worship. It might not be denominational approved worship, but it is appropriate biblical worship. And so, Sister Arnold told this story. Most of you know her grandson Brent. He'd had, he's 35 years old when he passed away. He was diagnosed with a MD, the poster child from MD back when he was not even five, five years old, I guess. And so through the course of the years, he's lost more and more body function. He had been in a wheelchair for since he was a little boy in school. And, and uh, finally succumbed to it and went home to be with the Lord about a week ago. And uh, the week before that, and I may not have the story exactly right, but from what I could hear her saying in her grandmother broken voice last Sunday night, said that before he passed away a week or so ago, he, uh, he said that uh, he wanted to praise the Lord. And he asked, I guess it was Brittany's wife, would you raise my hands up in the air so that I can praise the Lord? I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are without excuse. 
I have just about walked around silly looking with my hands in there over the last, ever since I heard that story last week. I said, Lord, help me keep my hands in the air. When his people went out of the land of Egypt, they went out with a high hand. They went out with their hands in the air. When your football team won the state championship or your team won the national championship, you were probably sitting in front of your TV with your hands in the air as though they could see it. It's a book about praise. But then here early in the book of Psalms in the 23rd chapter, enough about that, but I did want to get it out of my crawl. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Some of you are reading along with me without even looking. I see your lips moving. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first three words are enough to preach on from now till Jesus comes. The Lord is. The title of our message this morning is very simply, The Lord is. And I think from there I could just, and I've, I've, I've written down a few things this morning that I'll share with you out of the text and maybe one or two outside the text. But the reality of it is today, the focus on that verse and I know it goes on, my shepherd I shall not want. We, we know the story. We know it forwards and backwards. But if we could just stop for a moment with those first three words. The Lord is. I realize there's no comma, no colon, no semicolon. There's not anything there to keep us from reading on or to pause or whatever the case may be or to contemplate for a moment what's coming up next or, or maybe there's some new things, some new features that are just a little bit ahead and, and be paying attention now, but if we could just stop with the Lord is. You know, the reality of it is this morning, if you need a Savior, the Lord is. Amen. For anyone in the building that's never been born again, you've never had your sins forgiven, you've never, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, whatever, you've never been saved, whatever you want to call it this morning. If you need a Savior... There it is, the Lord is. And everybody else ain't, all right? No one else is the Savior, but the Lord is. Isaiah made it very perfectly clear in his text, and he said that, that, that he is the Lord and there is none beside him. There's none other. There's none, none else that can say, if you need a Redeemer, the Lord is. Is. If you need a helper, the Lord is. Just fill in the blank. What do you need this morning? My question is very simple. What do you, what is it that you need? God asked the children of Israel that uh, one time, and I think it's in the book of Isaiah, just read it recently in my Bible reading, and he said, what is it now? What do you, what do you need now? He said, I've given you this, and I, but what do you need? What is it that you have need of this? You say, well, I'm kind of lonesome. I need a companion. 
the Lord is. And uh, I'm... I'm having some difficulty and, and, and I, need some, I need some counsel. I need some help. The Lord is. And so for whatever you need, and that's what it means when, it, when, when, you, find, when you find the word Lord, and it's not that way here, but it is in the scripture, and uh, it is all capital letters. And we'll look at that for just a moment. The Lord is. And uh, this... This particular way, the word Lord is written, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is used over 8,000 times in the Scripture. Wow. I don't know of any word that is used in the Scripture more often than the word Lord. Over, you can get your concordance out and count them up if you want to. I don't have time to do that. But I'm satisfied with this that if he is mentioned in this, in this characterization as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and there's our resident wasp has just showed up. Has anybody ever watched somebody slap at a wasp, a wasp before? If you haven't, that's what's going on over on this side. It's too cold in here for him to bite you or sting you. There you go. Good job, Beth. Did you get him? The day the squirrel went berserk. We've had snakes, we've had skinks, and we've had wasps. You get him? Do we think we have him? All right, well then I'll go on. I'll proceed with where we were. 8,000 times in the scriptures mentioned. 800 times in the book of Psalms. Is God trying to tell us something the word Lord in capital letters not simply means, but means the God who is. The Lord is. And so for everything, 8,000 times in, in the uh, 66 books of the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament, perhaps every time in the Old Testament, 800 times in the 150 chapters of the book of Psalms, we find the word Lord is given to us, the God who is. The God who is. He is, in our message this morning, and I'll go quickly now, He is, number one, the eternal God. Number two, He is the one God. Number three, He is the true God. That is the one we're speaking about this morning. The Lord, our God. He is our hope in the time of concern. The psalmist goes on to say, I shall not want. He is my hope in the time of concern. He is my courage in the time of fear. I will fear no evil. I could like this. Everything we need is right here. He's my hope in the time of concern. I shall not want. He's my courage in the time of fear. I will fear no evil. He is my assurance in the time of trouble. He's not just my assurance for salvation. He's not just my... Uh, my, my fire escape to keep from going to hell. He is my assurance every day of the week, every situation that I might confront or might confront me. He is always my assurance. Of course, he's there to let me know that I'm his child. 
Here in Psalms chapter number 23, it said, the Lord is my shepherd. And that, that, that little phrase echoed through generations of time all the way into the New Testament, through the days of the prophet. It echoed through the corridors of time. And in John chapter number 10, the reply comes from our Savior. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Lord is my shepherd. And his reply is, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. Oh, yes. He's assurance in my time of trouble, for thou art with me. Just when you die, just when you're going through troubled times, when you have too much month at the end of the money, is, does, he, does he not, is he not our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble? When you're going through the difficulties and the issues of life, and everybody have, has them, by the way, Nobody's exempt from hard times. Nobody's exempt from bad days. Nobody's exempt from trouble. And so we need to be assured that he is our assurance and reassurance when trouble comes. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's all these things. And I'm just giving you a handful of them. He's my provision in time of need. How, can I ask for a raise of hands of how many of you have ever been in a situation where you had a need? Well, that's a few, maybe. The rest of you have something to look forward to. Now, I'm talking about, how, how many of you have ever been broke? I'm talking about you didn't have, I'm, I'm talking about, that, that was a bigger crowd than the other crowd. I'm talking about, we have been so poor that we didn't even, we didn't even have money to rub together in our pocket. If we'd have had money in our pockets, we would have fallen through the holes in the pocket. Poor. I'm, I'm, I'm saying poor in the sense that we didn't have any money. We had everything else. I, I think that it's not, a, it's not always a bad thing to have to go through those times because you sure learn to appreciate the good times, don't you? My mom and dad, they were born in the early 20s, so they were raised in the Great Depression. My daddy in 22 and my mother in 23. And so they were children during the Great Depression. My dad talks about a time and going an entire year and not even seeing, not even seeing, the offering plates are at the back, I can't illustrate, not even seeing a, a, a coin, not even in the house, under the couch, on the kitchen table, rattling in Grandpa's pocket, not even one piece of money. My uncle he told the story about how much that he said, every time I see a potato, I cry. And somebody said, well, I usually cry when I, when I cut an onion. He said, I cry when we cut potatoes. Somebody asked him, said, why do you cry when you cut potatoes? He said, because they saved my life so many times. They talked about eating potato sandwiches. And by the way, it ain't bad. Tomato sandwiches and potato sandwiches, they're not bad at all. I don't eat the onion sandwich. If you've never been to where at least a little bit of a financial struggle, you're missing a dispensation of the grace of God that you may never experience. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not 
won't. And he goes on and he said, he's our provision in the time of need. Thou preparest a table before me. He's my promise in the time of death. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's have an invitation go. Psalms 22, 23, and 24 are a portrait. In reality, they're a trilogy. They cannot be separated. You have to remember that the numbers were, were put in, and we went over that when we preached on the King James Bible so many nights uh, uh, last year, the year before. And uh, when the numbers were added and, and all those kinds, the divisions, the chapter were divided and the numbers were added, you can't separate 22, 23, and 24. A lot of the Bible is that way. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and 13 and 14 cannot be separated. When you're studying the gifts of the Holy Ghost of God, you will get terribly confused. And you'll come up with a wrong idea about the gifts of the Holy Ghost if you don't look at 12 and 13 and 14. You just go pick a verse wherever you want to and you can prove just about anything you want to prove. I can take three verses out of the scripture and prove to you that every one of us ought to go home and take our lives with three verses out of the scripture. You can't separate some chapters. 22 and 23 and 24, they're a portrait. They're a beautiful portrait. And God is the creator of this portrait. And Jesus is the subject, the image of this portrait. And the Holy Spirit is the artist that's drawing the picture. And let me hasten to say that in Psalms 22 and 23 and 24, we have a story to tell. There's a picture that's being drawn, and he's telling us a story. In Psalms, if you go back and read it, you'll, you'll see that it is the Lord crying out upon Calvary. In Psalms chapter number 22, it is a portrait of Mount Calvary. In Psalms 23, it is the valley of the shadow of death. In Psalms 24, it is back up on Mount Zion. So right between these two mountains, there's a time of a valley. Here we have Calvary on the one side and Zion on the other side and the valley that you and I live our lives in. That's all found in these three chapters. In chapter number 22, we have a portrait of the Savior. In Psalms 23, a portrait of the shepherd. In Psalms 24, who is the king of glory? The Lord God Almighty in battle is he. A picture of the king. Jesus is our Savior. He's our shepherd. He's our king. In Psalms 22, you have a picture of the cross. In Psalms 23, you have a picture of the staff. In Psalms 24, you have a picture of his crown. In Psalms 22, you have the story of the good shepherd. In Psalms 23, it is the story of the great shepherd. And in Psalms 24, it is the story of the chief shepherd. In Psalms chapter number 22, he is dying for his sheep. In Psalms 23, I'm, I know I'm going fast, he is caring for his sheep. And hallelujah to God, in Psalms 24, he's coming for his sheep. When we look at Psalms 22, we're looking at that which is past. When we look at Psalm 23, we're looking at where we are, that which is present. And when we look at 24, we're looking off into the future when Jesus comes again. Oh yes, we need to know that the Lord is all of these things. 
In verse number one, the Lord is all we need. I'm winding down now. The Lord is all we need. We know that he cares for us, that we, that we, we are contented and uh, we're, we're, we're well taken care of. He's, the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That simply means that I don't get everything I want. It, do, it doesn't mean that I have everything I want. It doesn't mean that I have everything the world has to offer. But it is saying, I sure am contented with what I do have. The old songwriter put it this way, and I don't think it has any scripture to back it up. Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land beneath the shades of the tree of life so it will ever stand so I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand. Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. That's quite a humble way to look at it. But the reality of it is, whether it's a cabin or whether it's a mansion or whatever we have on this earth, it's, we should be contented with such things as the Lord has blessed us with. When the Lord called me to preach back in the early, uh, in the mid-70s, we just built a brand new home. And uh, just... Matter of fact, we'd only just lived in a very short period of time. We moved out of a brand new home, and I'm not complaining. I'm rejoicing. Uh, the Lord's always been good to the Ward family. And we moved out of a brand new three-bedroom home, beautifully built, just everything, you know, for the, for the day and hour. It'd be very dated now, obviously. Had old had pecan paneling on the inside, big sheets of paneling. And... Uh, um, and so we, following this calling, we moved to Lakeland. And I, I was in Lakeland getting our taxes done. They've been doing my taxes over there since the 70s at advance. And we were over there and we pulled up uh, uh, beside the courthouse and looked over in the little house we used to live in. Uh, they've remodeled it. It's got a beautiful uh, apex top and all on it now. It used to be a little flat roof. And it was about 400 square feet. You talk about a tiny house. We lived in tiny houses before you could before tiny houses were even popular. And uh, it had a living room, kitchen, dining room, everything was one room. And then there were two bedrooms and a little bathroom about twice the size of this pulpit. Some of the midgets uh, that were in the movies uh, back in the day, they actually lived in that home. And... Uh, and so the shower in the house, I, I, I'm six foot four. The shower was about five feet high. It hit me about right here. I had to get down like this. <laughs> and it was dark and big old, big old water oak trees just hanging over it. And it looked like a horror movie, you know, and it was just always cloudy and dreary and dark. And, and, uh, but I'll tell you what it was, home. To be content with such things as you have. You might not have everything the folk you went to school with have. But be content with what you have. The Lord is my shepherd. And the little girl standing on the stage twiddling her hands back and forth. And she was 
to recite the 23rd Psalm and she's standing there wiggling. She's only seven years old and she's just kind of wiggling back and forth and she forgot what she was supposed to say and she said it this way. She said, the Lord is my shepherd and I don't want nothing else. Good enough. Verse number two, the Lord is our leader. It means com commander and leader. Commander. He, he's the commander in that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He's the leader in that he leadeth me beside the still waters. In verse number three, the Lord is my restoration and my righteousness. The Lord is all we need. The Lord is our commander. He's our leader. The Lord is our restoration and our righteousness. He lifts me up. When I'm cast down, that's a literal interpretation of the word restoration, to be lifted up when you've been cast down. He comes along and he picks us up and he dusts us off and he cleans us up and straightens our collar and wipes down our hair and he pats us on the backside and he said, just keep on keeping on for me. The Lord is my restoration and obviously my righteousness. The Bible said that all of our righteousness are, are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And so he is not only our restoration, he is not only the one that lifts us up when we're cast down and people will do that. But he is also our righteousness. Sheep by nature go astray. We have examples in the Bible and you go astray and I go astray, we all go astray but he's the one who is our righteousness. Verse number four, he is our courage, our companion, and our comfort. His rod, which is the word of God, is the, his authority and power, and his staff, which is a picture of the spirit of God, is his gentleness and tenderness, reminding us that he's not here to hurt us. Oh, I wish we had time to look at all these things. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In verse number five, the Lord is my substance and my joy. He said that he anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Anointing, and, and you know, and those of you who have studied it, the sheep, the, the oil was placed there. Uh, to keep the uh, pest away, the flies and the, the bees. And, and uh, when, when the sheep would, uh, when, 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 sh when the uh, flies and, and bugs and all those kind of things, when they'd start going around sheep like gnats and all in South Georgia, it, it, it created a lot of anxiety for the sheep. And so in that he loved the sheep so much, before they would go out, he would anoint them with oil. And so the oil would keep the pestilence away, taking care of them. Um, he's all of these things and more. The Lord is my substance. You know, when he mentioned about uh, that he leads them beside the still waters, there's a story behind that. The sheep could live in the morning. They could live in the morning part of the day off the dew that fell upon the grass. But by the time the day had grown on and they were getting weary and uh, the dew had been 
dried up by the sunshine and the wind. And now the sheep had nowhere to get any water. And so later in the day, God took care of them in the morning. And God took care of them in the afternoon. He takes care of his sheep. I don't know who needs to know this today. And then finally, as the pianist comes, number six, in, number, in verse number six, the Lord is our life now and forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The old-time preacher preached about those goodness and mercy being his two dogs. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. He said, one of, he said those are the two dogs that the shepherd had. One was named Goodness, one was named Mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. As a sheep. And I will dwell it. And so he is our life, not just yonder, but right here today. And so my question is, what do you need today? If you need peace, he's the peace speaker. You don't find peace by traveling to Tibet and living in a monastery and practicing yoga. You don't even have to leave your pew to find peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And he'll provide it for you. To, what it, the Lord is. Fill in the blank. And he'll be that for you. If it's right and if it's good. If it's good for you, he'll be that. He, <laughs> he wants best for his sheep. And he wants you to be one of his sheep if you're not. Would you stand with us for prayer? Musician Tracy's going to play. No song, just some music very quickly. <laughs> 